The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org. Radio Network. This weekly show will be a presentation of the most informative sermons, conferences, and lectures from Catholic clergy on critical topics for Roman Catholics to find their way and to hold their faith during this horrendous crisis. The reality and the growth of the modernist heresy, which surrounds and threatens to engulf faithful Catholics. From the Pulpit is underwritten by True Restoration, with articles, books, and videos available at truerestoration.org. And while a portion of the operating costs of the radio network are underwritten by True Restoration, our particular show is truly listener-supported. We have annual radio subscriptions for the subscriber of every level, available by clicking the Donate button at truerestoration.org. Restoration radio programs, including this one, are available on blogtalkradio.com slash restorationradio and are syndicated on iTunes and Stitcher. You can follow the work of True Restoration on all social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Flickr, LinkedIn, and Pinterest by following us using the social buttons on truerestoration.org. Tonight we have the good fortune over the next hour of hearing two sermons preached some years ago by His Excellency, Bishop Richard Williamson, who makes his first appearance on From the Pulpit. The first sermon is one from 1999 entitled, Life is Short and Eternity is Long, and it provides plenty of material for us to meditate on concerning the realities of our depths and the great divide between time and eternity. The second sermon this evening was a confirmation sermon preached in March of 2004 in its classic Bishop Williamson. He will tell us about the gifts of the Holy Ghost and the dire necessity for every soul to adhere to the one true religion established by our Lord Jesus Christ. We at Restoration Radio consider these two vintage sermons to be amongst the best His Excellency has ever preached. And now, Bishop Williamson. Reading from the 24th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus said to his disciples, When you see the abomination of desolation which was spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let him who reads understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything from his house, and let him who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. But woe to those who are with child or who have infants at the breast in those days. But pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation such as, not, as such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, nor will be. And unless those days had been shortened, no living creature would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone say to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or there is the Christ, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told it you beforehand. If therefore they say to you, Behold, he is in the desert, do not go forth. Behold, he is in the inner chambers, do not believe it. 
For as the lightning comes forth from the east and shines even to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the body is, there will the eagles also be gathered together. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give a light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. And then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven and then will all the tribes of the earth mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming upon the clouds of heaven with great power and majesty. And he will send forth his angels with the trumpet of the great sound and they will gather his elect from the four winds from end to end of the heavens. Now from the fig tree learn this parable. When its branch is now tender and the leaves break forth, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, know that it is near even at the door. Amen, I say to you, this generation will not pass away till all these things have been accomplished. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Dear fathers, dear seminarians, dear friends, today's gospel is a daunting reminder of what life is about. This poor scheme of things, this poor little earth which we inhabit, spinning like a ping-pong ball, a darkened and light, half light, half in darkness, half in light, ping-pong ball through the oceans of space is nothing more or less than a trampoline on which souls are to jump until they bounce, in a manner of speaking, to heaven. And when this purpose has been fulfilled, and when the number of the elect is complete, when the number of souls due to reach heaven is complete, this earth and all its works and all its pomps will be completely done away with or transformed. This earth which we take so seriously, which we so cherish, which we lavish in one form or another so much tender loving care upon, it will go like a puff of smoke except that it will be transformed, as the book of the Apocalypse tells us. This life to which we cling, this world which we so love, like a puff of smoke. Scripture says man is like the grass of the field. The day he blows, the day he flourishes, tomorrow he's cast into the oven. How many, how many sayings like that? This life is short and eternity is long. And surely never before have in the history of mankind have men so clung to this life as they do today, so believed in things material. It's impossible today to try to tell people that the prosperity is fragile, that the prosperity is coming to an end. People don't want to hear it. And they won't believe you. They believe what they want. What they want is this material prosperity to go on forever. And yet even if the prosperity did go on forever, still, sooner or later, they will be in a hospital filled with tubes, with the inevitability of death. 
and still they will be scrambling by all means possible for another three weeks or another three months of life, maybe another three years, and still they have to die, but still we cling to this life. Well, today's gospel our Lord reminds us it's like there will be a, a general judgment which will be the spectacular manifestation of God's justice, God's supreme justice and mercy upon all souls that have ever been, that have ever lived. It will be a collective edition of all the particular judgments that have ever taken place. We only live in this life for that moment of death. Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and in the hour of our death, that, that moment which decides our eternity. The whole of this life decides that moment, and that moment then decides the whole of eternity. A person prepares for that moment, for the length of his life, however, however long it is, God's wisdom and providence determine how long it will be. Some people, and God's mysterious knowledge need no longer than five or ten years, and then God takes them out of this life. Some people, he gives 90 years to make up their mind whether they want to spend their eternity with him or not. This life is short. Eternity is long. This life is short. Eternity is long. This life is short and eternity is long. Today we have a happier reminder of these eternal truths, these unchanging truths. The profession of Brother Anthony as a brother in and taking his first vows for a year in the Society of St. There was a time in Christendom when the land was covered with convents and monasteries way back centuries when every land was ruled by a tyrant king of course when there was very little democracy of course when the world was far less wise than it is today, of course. When most people were still backward peasants, of course. Guess what? Most, a number, a large number of people, a large number of those peasants, those backward tyrannized peasants, had the Catholic faith. And because they had the Catholic faith, a large number of them wanted to do only one thing with their life, and that was to save their soul. And they wanted to take the surest means of saving their soul. The collect of today's Mass for the taking of a vow, it's the 13th votive Mass in the altar missal, it's not too easy to find scenes in a hand missal, speaks, O Lord, those whom thou hast snatched, a reptus, a ripio, a ripio, a rapio, a, a, a raptum, 
a reprimand. Those whom thou hast snatched from the perils of this world and hast wished that they follow more closely in the footsteps of thy divine Son. Those whom thou hast snatched from the perils of this world. There was a time in Christendom when everybody was a backward peasant or a tyrannical king or a wretched aristocrat. There was a time when large numbers of people went into the monastery or into the convent in order to save their souls. The land was covered with convents and monasteries. They had, we would say today, they had their heads screwed on straight. They were putting first things first. And they wanted to get out of this world precisely with all its dangers. Dangers for one's immortal soul. In order to put their, their eternal salvation in a more protected state. In order to protect their chances of salvation. And they lived quiet, humble, hidden lives. They never got into the newspapers, nor into television. Nobody even took a photograph of them with a Polaroid camera or with a Kodak camera. They never even saw thick pictures of their own face, except perhaps in the mirror. And then I'm sure in many of the convents, there weren't even any mirrors. No photographs, no glamour, no prestige, no newspapers. Just a hidden life. Devoted to serving God. And only God knows how many of those souls there were. And only God knows their merits as they lived, so hidden away from public honor and glory. But many, many of those souls, not all, but many, many of them will have been saved. They took the means in order to save their soul and they will have achieved the end, many of them. Today, of course, we are so smart and we are so clever that even the numbers of convents and monasteries that there were in the United States, for instance, before Vatican II, a large number of those, the great majority of those, are now empty. They've been sold, they've been turned into garages, into police training establishments, I don't know what, you know, all over the country. They've been emptied out by the cleverness of the devil, by especially the breakout of Vatican II. Vatican II didn't happen overnight. It was a disease that was preparing. It simply broke out of Vatican II. But Vatican II devastated the monasteries and convents that there were. And the sisters are now out in the world in dressed like lay folk, behaving, and the priests are out in the world behaving like social workers, all secularized, believing that secularization is the best form of Catholicism, deceived, massively deceived by the devil, whose instruments are, alas, the leading churchmen. And the churchmen, the leading churchmen, the churchmen at the head of the church are in the front of persuading people that they must change their religion in a secular direction. They must go back out into the world leave the convent and the monastery. And the result, of course, is a great dearth of vocations. The devil makes the modern world a great lack of vocations. The devil makes the modern world look glamorous. And in front of so many youngsters' eyes, he holds up his various toys and his various prospects and his various, the money and the comfort and the career and the vacations and all of these goo-gaws. 
doodads, gizmos, engineering, computers, technology, glory, fame, money, prosperity. And most of the young people following their adults, following us adults, buy the devil's, buy into the devil's program. And very, very few still even think of the salvation of the soul, of their soul, because there is Mother Church bracketing out the soul. No longer, Lord, say only a word and my soul will be healed. In the new church it's, and I will be healed. They've bracketed out the mention of the soul because we don't want to be reminded of the soul. If anybody suggests to us there's a difference between the soul and the body, somebody might actually ask himself, well, what happens to the soul of death? Ah, that's a no-no, that question. So, we will gently wipe out the very existence of the soul. How many people today then even think of saving their soul. My dear friends, you are here, of course. You surely do think of it. Otherwise, you might well not be here with the discipline that our Lord, the yoke that our Lord does impose upon us. So, you do believe in it, but how many do? And so, in this whole world where very few young people think of a vocation, we've got the reverse of how it used to be. Then everybody was, most everybody had the faith, and a large number thought of taking all possible means to save their soul. Now very few people have the faith. Virtually nobody gives serious thought to saving their soul. Another interesting point of comparison with those backward ages to which our own is of course so superior. <coughs> After all, we have had revolutions and we have democracy. <coughs> Another interesting thought comparison between those times. In those times, in a monastery, there were only a few priests and they were mostly lay brothers. That is to say, lay in the sense of not being priests. They were religious. They took religious vows, by which they became religious, like Brother Anthony will today. And they were the norm in the monastery, and the priests were, obviously there had to be priests, some, but the priests were rather the exception in the monastery. Today, even in a Benedictine monastery, it's the priests who are in the majority, and the lay brothers who are a minority. There may be various reasons for this. For instance, ever since the Counter-Reformation drastically renewed, reduced the number of priests, then in those countries that kept the faith, they may have been needed a higher proportion of priests to make up the balance, to make up the gap of those priests that became Protestants and fell away. And those countries where the priesthood virtually died out, like England, virtually. 
not completely, but virtually. That may be one reason. The need for masses for a priest. The priests didn't use to say mass every day. And even now, no Catholic priest is obligated to celebrate mass every day. He is obligated to pray the breviary, he's not obligated to say the mass. Most Catholic priests now do say mass most every day. Again, because there's needed, the priests that there are, are needed to make up for all those that there aren't. But then he was completely normal. Being a brother was completely normal. Today, the brother is the exception. There aren't many vocations for the brotherhood. Those that there are are very precious. Another reason for that may be that in our wonderful democratic age, where everybody, of course, is a king, where everybody is equal, all pilots and skycaps and no porters, where even those who clean out the drains are chief refuse removal executive officers. In our wonderful age where everybody is equal and where everybody calls himself, if he even tinkers with the plastic of the computer, he will still call himself, I'm sure, a computer engineer, if you please. Engineering, oh yes. Computers, oh yes. But anything brother beneath the priest, inferior to the priest, you're going to, you mean I'm going to be inferior? Oh no. Oh no. I am the equal of anybody. Our wonderful schools, our wonderful educational system, which teaches us, which teaches the children, boys and girls, that they are just as clever as their masters, as their teachers, that the teachers have nothing to give, nothing better, where there is no dais, no elevating the teacher, but where everybody sits on the floor and holds hands and has a rap session. How do you think brothers are going to come out of this educational system which makes every single boy thinks he's a, think he's a king. Well, brothers, brothers' vocations are rare, and yet there was a time in Christendom when it was the most normal and most wise thing to do. Boys who were out in the fields working with their dad submitted to the discipline of nature to the discipline of the winds and the rains, which nobody can go on strike against. It's no use going on strike against the wind and the rain, because they're not likely to pay much attention. A human employer, oh yes, you can strike as much as you like against the human employer, you can push him around, but there's a discipline in, on the land, which is where most of our peasants used to be, and they had a natural discipline and a natural sense that you can't push things around just how you like, that we are not the masters, that there is a, a structure of life to which we must submit and which it is folly to kick against. Where do you find that today? In our suburbs, everything comes, everything is man-made virtually, everything is man-controlled and everything can be kicked against. It's not a 
background that is suitable for vocations to come from, let alone vocations of brothers. And so, we have today, by the action of Brother Anthony, a very happy reminder of the realities of life. That this life is short and eternity is long. Some of you may have heard me quoting the program many years ago when one of the broadcasters visited a Cistercian monastery in Scotland and he was talking to all of the monks and he was talking to one little old monk who must have spent many years inside the Cistercian monastery which is a fairly strict discipline and he was asking him how he, he could endure such a difficult and disciplined life and the little old monk replied I'm not sure I should get the Scottish accent right, but I shall try. He said, Ah, it is a hard bed to lie on, but an easy bed to die on. And all is said. What does it matter if a man suffers indignities, humiliation, penance, um, renunciations for the duration of this short life? and ensures his happy eternity. What does it matter if a man lose the whole world and save his soul? On the other one, our Lord, of course, said was, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Brother's vocation and his taking vows today are a happy reminder to all of us how Christendom should be young men who recognize that life has a structure especially eternity has a structure that the wisest way one can spend with this life is to follow as closely as possible our Lord to turn one's back on the world the flesh and the devil to pick up instead on poverty chastity and obedience that's wisdom. And brothers' actions will say, it, say these things that much better than the preacher as actions speak louder than words. It is, my dear friends, on the day at the end of the church year when the gospel reminds us how this world and this life are going to come to an end. And in today's, amidst today's world, when everybody is behaving as though no such thing is true, as though this life and this world will go on forever, and this life and this world are the main and their pleasure of what we mainly live for, we have the joy of a young man demonstrating in action not just words. Brother Anthony is not a great man of words, but I'm sure that's how many of the brothers used to be in the monasteries. They had better things to do than to be talking all day long. Brother Anthony reminds us of the things that really matter. <coughs> we will, all of us today during Mass, pray to the Mother of God that she protect his vocation 
and look after him and carry him on the wings of his vocation safely to heaven and that we all in our station of life, all in our way, all in our place, follow his example. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. We hope you're enjoying tonight's episode of From the Pulpit. Please be sure to visit truerestoration.org and click on the True Restoration media link to view our available streaming videos and membership subscriptions for purchase and direct download. These purchases will help us continue to bring you the best content and show guests in the Catholic world today. And now, we present the continuation of tonight's program. virtual faith is the very foundation of the uh, supernatural life in the soul without which none of us can be saved, then the four gifts of the Holy Ghost for the mind are steerabilities, extra steerabilities, power-assisted steering for our faith. How does that apply? Grasp. The first of the four gifts is in understanding, which means that I have an extra gift for understanding the truths of the faith, for grasping, for sensing what they mean. Not sensing in the senses, but sensing in the mind. There's a word that's been taken from sensation and belongs in this case to intellection. A, a, an extra gift for grasping the import of the faith in life. And then, and the truths of the faith. A, a, a gift of seeing into the truths of the faith. And again, think of Catholics that you know, and some clearly have that extra, extra gift for grasping their faith. Others don't. They may be just as believing, but they don't have the same gift for grasping what they believe. Then next, uh, GPS, ponder. And there are two of the four gifts for the mind. One ponders on creatures, Again, in the light of God and assisted by the Holy Ghost. And the other ponders on the Creator. The gift which ponders on creatures is knowledge. The gift of the Holy Ghost is, uh, which, which enables us to weigh and to think and to judge. To judge as the Holy Ghost would have us judge in matters of creatures, of creation, of, the, of creatures amongst creation. There, the gift is knowledge. When it comes to the Creator, when it comes to a, an extra steerability in judging of our faith in relation to the Creator, there the gift is wisdom. It's, it seems natural that wisdom should be a higher gift than knowledge, as knowledge is of creatures, so give, uh, uh, wisdom, the gift of wisdom, is the gift of judging of our truths of faith and the application of our faith in the light of the Creator, judge, judging in connection with the Creator. And then finally, the fourth gift of the mind is the mind that is the gift that selects, or if you like, applies, applies to concrete cases, to particular cases, what I have thought about, pondered, judged, assessed, uh, in the light of the Holy Ghost, and that is the gift of counsel. So, understanding introduces, is, is, introduces 
to judging which is of, high, of lower things or of higher things, um, knowledge and wisdom, and then when the mind, assisted by the Holy Ghost, has judged, then how does it apply that judgment to the situation in which it finds itself? And there another gift kicks in, the gift of counsel. Four gifts for the mind, my dear friends. Four gifts for the mind. One gift for the will, two gifts for the passions. Doesn't that tell us that when we're moving into the higher, if you like, the higher realms of the spiritual life, far from it being love, 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 no. Love follows. Love follows what's in the mind. If the mind is full of darkness, the, the, the will is going to be completely lost. The mind informs the will. The will chooses. The will is, is of crucial importance. But the will can't choose things which the mind has not presented to it. Choosing, I can only choose between things I know. I can't choose something of which I have no knowledge. And so, while free will is the faculty of choice, is like, it's, in the, it's an act, uh, finally the act of choosing is an act of will, the act of deciding. Nevertheless, those decisions and those choices depend entirely upon what has been in the mind. Now, of course, how the mind is used depends upon how the will chooses. I can turn my mind towards something, or I can turn my mind away from something. The psalmist says, Nolowitz intelligere, they, they didn't want to understand. I turned my mind away from things I didn't want to understand. So in that sense, of course, the will controls the mind. But when it comes to information, the will can only choose between things that the mind has presented to it, at least in, in generally, if not in all detail. So that these two great faculties take five of the seven gifts, but four are for the guidance system in the mind, and only one for the choices afterwards. Interesting. Interesting. It's not, as I say, how people today think. People today have it wrong. Uphill and downdale. People today are wrong. They think that all that matters is love, and just so long as you have good intentions, and so long as I'm good-hearted, that's enough. No, it isn't. The way to hell is paved with good intentions, says the proverb. A lot of people today are full of good intentions and the world is going to rack and ruin because of the lack, not lack of good intentions. Many people today have good intentions. It's the lack of truth. People today tend to think all that matters is sincerity. The great virtue today is sincerity and tolerance. Listen to those two. Sincerity and tolerance. Both of them back off or go around the truth. Tolerance means I should be tolerant, I, uh, I should accept anybody's opinion. That's how people take it today. I must not be condemnatory, or as they say, discriminatory, when it comes to judging that two and two are not five. 
I should be tolerant when somebody says to me that two and two are five. After all, it's creative and it's progressive and it's new and it's not stuck in the mud. And it's, um, it's inventive to think that two and two are five. And it's free. I'm at last free from two and two being four. Oh, what miserable narrow-mindedness to have to always think and say that two and two are four. I'm free. Liberty. My dear friends, madness. Madness. And today, the mass of people around us are freeing their minds from two and two or four. Of course, when it comes to building a bridge, then they will calculate, because they don't want to, when they drive over it to fall into the river, then they will calculate, the engineers will take seriously two and two or four. But when it comes to building a bridge to heaven, any religion is good enough. Even if all of these religions contradict one another, and even if they talk nonsense, still they're good enough, just as long as I have a good heart, just as long as I mean well, and just as long as I'm sincere. What do you say of an engineer who, in place of building his bridge with two, uh, two pillars, because that's what's needed by the state of the sand, he builds it with only one? The bridge is going to collapse as soon as anything drives over it. Oh, but the engineer was sincere. What value is his sincerity? I come up to this bridge in my car. It looks a little insecure to me. And I ask a bystander, who was it that built this bridge? Oh, so and so and so and so. Did he really look at the books? No, he didn't look at the books to see. He didn't look at the engineering books. But he was sincere. He had a marvelous smile. You should have seen him on television. A wonderful character. Yes, but did he, did he look at the books? Did he study what this kind of sand needs? No, 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 no. He just has a marvelous heart. Well, thanks very much, but I'm not going to drive over this bridge. And yet people will drive over any bridge. They will say any bridge is good, good enough to get to heaven just as long as the designer of the bridge is sincere and full of nice intentions and tolerant of everybody else's false bridges. Come on! When it comes to building a bridge, any of us has the common sense that whoever designs it has got to obey the rules. He's got to know the rules and he's got to obey the rules in designing the bridge. How many of you would come into this chapel if you were told that the pillars or the walls weren't strong enough to take the roof? It's simply a matter of time before the whole thing collapses on whoever's head is underneath. What is dogma? What's Catholic doctrine? Except the engineering books. Catholic dogma is what tells us how to build a solid bridge to get to heaven. Oh, but when it comes to getting to heaven, it doesn't matter. I'm tolerant of all other religions. Fool. Fool. Do you think you, do a favor? Do you, think you or I would do a favor to all of these people in false religions if we don't tell them what the truth is? Of course. Prudence applies. The gift of counsel and I may see very clearly that the religion is false, but if it's going to be counterproductive for me to say so, I won't say so. And often today it is counterproductive to say the least little thing. Because nobody has the right any longer today to possess the truth. No longer has anyone the right to be intolerant or discriminatory or to say that their opinion is true and everybody else's opinion is false. If my opinion is true, it's no longer an opinion. It's the truth. The truth is the truth, whether I hold it or not. It's not my opinion that makes the truth, it's the truth that makes me no longer have an opinion, but have the truth. 
But try to say this to people today. Their minds are gone. Now you see why four of the seven, Holy, seven gifts of the Holy Ghost are for the mind. Because especially today, people's minds are mush. They can no longer think. They no longer want to think. The will has been informed that all that matters is sincerity and tolerance. They were informed at their school. They were informed at university. They're informed by the politicians. They're informed by the media that all that matters is sincerity and tolerance. Truth is unfindable. There's no one single truth. That's what they, their, their wills are now informed with. That's what their wills now apply the intellect to believe. And that's what so many people now believe. It's a completely false belief. The truth is findable. It is one and it is exclusive. And it excludes error. The truth excludes anything that contradicts it. There is mostly one religion which believes that Jesus Christ is God and that's our religion. Some Protestants and the Orthodox, let's, let's grant, but the Jews, the Buddhists, the Hindus, the Communists, you name it, all other religions which do not believe that Jesus Christ is God are false. And there's no way that people holding those religions can get to heaven except by some exceptional, exceptional grace of God. Because they have error in their minds. They cannot have the faith. They're disbelieving the great truth of the Incarnation which God puts before every man in some way or other. And then it's a kindness, it's charity for me as a Catholic to allow people who deny the Incarnation to think that they are just as much on the road to heaven as anybody else. I don't understand my faith. I certainly don't have the gift of understanding at that point. I may myself believe, but I don't have the gift of understanding what I believe. The, the, the Holy Ghost gift of understanding what it is that I believe. The gifts are something other than faith, hope and charity. They are extras, if you like. I say power assistance, the steer, there's the steering wheel and then there's the power assistance of the steering wheel. There are the theological virtues and then there are the gifts of the Holy Ghost are helping the theological virtues and also the passions. Ah, my dear friends, let us think. Do you, know what, do you know what faculty thinking is an act of? Thinking is an act of the mind. How many people today think? They, 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 they don't think, they don't want to think, they just want to enjoy. And the world today, you've heard, some of you have heard the comparison before, imagine a large party raft, a big raft, supported by jerry cans, I don't know, by drums, or, or a big raft on a great river floating downstream towards the Niagara Falls. And the sound of the Niagara Falls is there in the distance and it's becoming slowly louder. But on the party raft, they've got a steel band which is making a lot of noise and a few people on the raft, there's a large party going on on the raft. This is modern life in the modern world. There's a great party going on on the raft and there are perhaps more than one band kicking up an incredible noise to make, so you can't even hear yourself, so that you can't even hear yourself think. That's it. That's exactly what all of this noise is about. 
to stop ourselves thinking. The poor youngsters with these ear, with these walkmen in, in drumming this, banging this noise in, precisely so that they won't think. I don't want to think. I don't want to question the wonderful way of life, the wonderful, soft and sinful way of life which I so enjoy at the moment. Let us have more sin and more softness. And that's what I want and I'm going to turn my mind away from any questioning of the sinfulness and the softness. And that's what the mass of people today are doing. And so the raft is drifting downstream and the spray is coming up and the spray is becoming clearer and the sound is becoming louder and all the people do is make the, make the band play even louder so that they can happily go over the falls and crash at the bottom. That's the way it's going because people are refusing to think. My dear friends, it's not just today. It's in the Old Testament. The prophet Jeremiah says, if the world is in such a state, it's because nobody is thinking in his heart. Thinking in his heart. That's, that's a Hebrew expression. It's not strictly correct. You, don't, you and I don't think in our hearts. We think with our minds. But you, what it means, is, of course, is covering both. People are not, you, you, with their heart, people are not applying their minds to think about the truth. So it's, it's, it's a loose expression, but it's good enough. Well, it's scripture, so of course it's good enough. But in any case, today, people don't want to think. Well, let us, all of us, considering the, nat- the division and nature of the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost, which belong in particular to today's to the sacrament today let us ask the Holy Ghost to fill each of our minds especially especially our minds we can also for sure ask for the gifts of piety and fortitude and fear of course they're, they're fine good excellent they come from God excellent but today it's the gifts of the mind that are especially needed let us pray all of us for those receiving the sacrament today, that, that they learn to use their minds under the guidance and power assistance of the Holy Ghost, that they learn to use their minds and that they don't switch off their minds. Oh, I learned the catechism for confirmation and once I knew that, I never again attended a catechism class because I didn't need, uh, need to know any more about my faith. I got confirmation, that's it, that's all I need. Oh, my dear friends, Oh, my dear friends, is that how we treat our youngsters? Is that really what we think is best for our youngsters? Is that what we let them get away with? Of course, that, that, they're little monkeys, they're little angels and little monkeys, and the little monkeys don't want to make any further effort when it comes to religion if they don't have to. Are we going to let them crash over the falls, our own children? understanding, grasping what it is that I believe by the fact that I'm a Catholic and have the Catholic faith. Knowledge of what creatures really are in the light of God as the Holy Ghost sees them and as the Holy Ghost wishes me to make use of them. Wisdom to see all that I believe, to see all that I experience in the light of God and to judge correctly of things as God would, wish, would have me judge of them. And then counsel for my mind, counsel in the mind, judge, uh, applying these, the, my judgments, 
applying good judgment. Because it's not enough just to judge well, you also have to apply your judgments. It needs another gift to apply well what one knows. Some people have very good judgment and no practical sense. Some people have practical sense and not good judgment. They're different things. Let us pray all of us, both those receiving the sacrament today and all the rest of us, allow the Holy Ghost to exercise his GPS in our own lives. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed, but more importantly, found informative and beneficial this week's presentation of From the Pulpit. We will be on air one week from this evening at the same time and will present another installment of From the Pulpit. We at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found this show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you and to your faith, that you please consider making whatever donation is possible to our apostolate, no matter how small it may be. To those of you who have donated, a heartfelt thank you for your kindness and generosity. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to leave us a message on our Twitter handle, at True Restoration, or contact us via email at mail at truerestoration.org. Until next time, keep the faith. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.